LastChanceArc.com podcast, seven messages to help you establish your relationship with Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord, everyone. Thank you for coming to this podcast today. This series of seven lessons is designed to help restore the church to pristine beauty. If the church was restored we would not have chaos. Chaos around the world is a sign that the church and its worship structure is not in order. Now, I'm going to probably be very much misunderstood, especially in this beginning podcast, and people may perceive that I am trying to work out my own anxiety and angst because of the uh, experiences that I've had. But I assure you that is not my motive. My motive is to help people come back into the church and be restored to a healthy relationship with Jesus Christ. That is my only motive. And I want to begin by personally apologizing and repenting before you if there's any person that I have harmed or I have discouraged. Unintentionally or intentionally, I apologize and ask you to forgive me. I say this because Psalm 139 shows the heart of David, that he openly repented, and that really is what distinguishes good leadership from bad leadership, is that a good leader, when they have made a mistake, will openly repent, and they will keep accountability in their life. Listen, the good, the bad, and the ugly is the theme of this leadership podcast. I want to begin with the good and look at the models that uh, God presents to us. But I want you to note, not every person that God uses as a good leader is perfect. We all have our flaws. We all make mistakes. The question is, what do we do after we've made a mistake, after it becomes apparent? And leaders must publicly repent and be transparent. So to set the stage for this podcast, I want to say that in the Old Testament, We see people focused on law and order, but the leadership model in the New Testament is love and order. Let's begin by talking about good leadership. And uh, one other thing, this podcast is designed to help people to repent and be reconciled one to another. Offense comes principally from bad leadership and ugly leadership, division. And those are the things the first two podcasts are going to address. But first, let's begin with this model that talks about good leadership. So there are different types of leaders in the Old Testament. There are leaders that are from the patriarchs, which are before the law, and then after the law was delivered, there are there are leaders that are under the law. So I want to talk about uh, first uh, before the law. We t- we see the patriarchs of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and each of them have characteristics of good leadership. If we would examine Abraham's life, 
we would see that Abraham first was a man of prayer and he obeyed the voice of God. He left what was familiar and he traveled to a land that God showed him. God did not give him a road map. He just gave him one step at a time. Second, we see that Abraham was willing to sacrifice human love for divine love. Obedience to God with a desire to please God was the principle that God was after. And when Abraham was willing to sacrifice his son, that's what we would call loving God first. However, God never asked him to physically kill his son. He stopped him from doing that, even though Abraham was willing, if God demanded it. In the case of Isaac, we see that the principle there is that he went obediently to his father's clan to marry inside the faith. He didn't pick a spouse that came from outside. He didn't marry an Egyptian. He didn't do any of that. He married inside the family. So marrying inside the faith is the second quality of a good leader. We see the same principle with Jacob. He did the same. The Bible says in Romans 9:13 and in Malachi chapter 1 verses 2 and 3 that God says, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. What he hated about Esau was that Esau was marrying outside the family. We must marry inside the faith. The next leader that we see is Joseph, who actually became vice president of Egypt. Joseph, of course, had jealous brothers. They were jealous of his attributes and the way that his father, Jacob, treated him, giving him the coat of many colors. But Joseph um, had to have some of the rough edges peeled off of him, and so God permitted him to be humbled, and clearly it was from the Lord. But God takes our weaknesses and turns them into strengths. Excommunicated by his brothers, Joseph ends up into a pit and a bigger pit of temptation. And when temptation comes, he is falsely accused. And of course, slander is one of the devil's tools against the leader. And he overcomes this with a positive attitude. And it's noticed by everyone. So while in prison, Joseph, of course, is given the keys to the kingdom, so to speak. People see his leadership qualities. They see his uh, blessing from God. And that's undeniable. And eventually, Joseph is used by God to prophetically, to become a prophet, to interpret what's going on in Egypt, to preserve his own brothers. And so we see that your attitude towards belligerent brothers that are jealous is key in the good leadership model. And Joseph had that quality. The next leader we see was a hot-tempered man who was highly educated in Egypt. His name was Moses, miraculously preserved by his mother, and his sister, Moses, ends up in the house of Pharaoh, but eventually he too has to work against his own temper. You know, the Bible says that we should not have wrath in our life. We should lift up holy hands without wrath and doubting. And of course, when Moses got into trouble, his wrath was way ahead of his control over his emotions. Having committed murder, Moses then becomes a convict. He becomes an outlaw and he has to escape. He escapes Egypt and is humbled for 40 years in a desert where he's isolated. And he, of course, uh, goes through quite a few trials during that time. And then he sees the burning bush. When God sees that Moses is ready to have his attitude correct in humility, we see that God appears to him in a burning bush. Now, Moses had some qualities that are quite interesting. Uh, number one, 
um, he saw, okay, the fire of God, and he heard the voice of God, but he was called the meekest man. Meekness means that he was willing to listen and obey the voice of God. He was given patterns to follow. He followed them precisely, and he was not insecure. He appointed people that were strong in the faith. They were strong leaders that could work underneath him. As Moses learned, sometimes your family is not the best choice for leadership. It might make you feel secure, but if they're not living right, it'll make a mess. So God had him choose Joshua and, of course, Caleb. As this Los Angeles sportscaster, Colin Cowherd, reports, the Dallas Cowboys' ownership is very insecure about appointing leaders. But Moses was not. Take a listen to this important spiritual principle. Let's talk Dallas Cowboys. Um, they have two major problems in Dallas. They have an owner who only wants to hire a coach he can control. He had Jimmy Johnson and Bill Parcells. He couldn't control them, so Jerry didn't like them. So he, he hires coaches, Jason Garrett, now Mike McCarthy, he can control that won't challenge him and push back. And then Mike McCarthy is a head coach, and this is a problem too. It's the same problem. He's not willing to hire an assistant coach or a coordinator that will threaten or challenge him. There's an old saying in business. It's called A's, as in A people, hire other A's. They're, they're secure. B's, B bosses, B executives hire C's. People they can control, keep their thumb on, that won't threaten them or won't challenge them. And this is an owner who doesn't want to be challenged. Jimmy Johnson and Bill Parcells challenged Jerry. He didn't like that. He could control Jason Garrett, and he could control Mike McCarthy. And Mike McCarthy hires Mike Nolan, and this is the mess you get. You, you don't have to be a football coach to see a well-coached team. You don't have to be a football coach to see a poorly coached team. This organization in Dallas is about people protecting their acreage, protecting their space, protecting their, you know, their title. Every time you read a business book, what do they always say for the CEO? Hire somebody that's smarter than you, that can challenge you, that makes you rethink things. The last thing you want to do leading a company is hire people you can control who don't challenge you. Yes, men. Dallas is yes-men territory. Okay, so let's move on to uh, some of the leaders that are under the law. And these leaders fall into these categories. Uh, prophets, judges, priests, and kings. As we see, Moses, of course, being the first uh, leader under the law as a prophet, but also as a judge. He began to lead Israel to the promised land, but because of his hot temper, in his disobedience, he was not permitted to enter into the promised land. However, he did accept the leadership of Joshua as the right person who would lead the country after he expired. And so we see that Joshua becomes really the first judge. And of course, the word judge simply means he is captain, the leader. Uh, the Germans would say the Fuhrer. And Joshua had an attitude that was absolutely dependent upon faith. And of course, he learned from Moses. He wanted to spend his time in the presence of God. God gave him direction through angels. Uh, victory at Jericho was huge, brought upon Joshua by an angel who spoke to him as the captain of the Lord's host. And we see that Joshua began to conquer all the territory that God asked him to conquer. And we don't really read about any flaws in Joshua's character, so he's probably one of the foremost examples of leadership. He just kept going forward, forward, forward. He did not quit. And as he got to the point where he needed to divide the land, he, of course, 
was a little bit hesitant to uh, get it all done fast. He was probably a little slow, but uh, he was methodical. And so we see that Joshua is an example of steadfastness. That would be the principle that we would see in Joshua's character. Joshua, we see a period of time called the period of the judges. None of these leaders were successful in the sense that they brought a moral integrity to Israel. The key leaders were Jephthah, Samson, and uh, Gideon, but even they had serious defects and flaws. The country was divided into tribes like our denominations today, and nobody was unified, not until the judge Samuel arises. Samuel is both prophet and judge leader. Now, it's most likely that he was a Levite, but not of the family of Aaron. But the key thing about Samuel is that his epithet said he never let a word of God drop to the ground. In other words, he revealed what God said to him. He traveled about the tribes and he uh, ministered and, and offered sacrifices and eventually it was clear that he was getting older and that the people did not trust his sons. It seems that both he and the, and the priest Eli had the same issue, is that their sons were out of control, living immoral lives, and they didn't do anything to correct it. And so the people having experienced what happened with Eli, with his two sons that were never disciplined and were uh, consuming the sacrifices at the temple instead of offering to God, they were money focused. So Samuel gets confronted by the people of Israel who demanded a king like all the other nations. And Samuel told them, okay, I'll take it to the Lord. And he did. And the Lord said, they didn't reject you, Samuel, your leadership. They rejected mine. So God decides to use this event to show them what bad leadership is going to be all about. So Samuel anoints a man, Saul, to be their leader. He's handsome. He's tall. All the things people look for. They look for success when they vote for a leader. And that's who Saul was. But the problem with Saul, he was not a good leader. And so we're going to talk about him in the next podcast, Bad Leadership. But in this case, we're going to go on to David. So Saul rises, then he falls. And then David unites all the tribes together under the flag of Judah. And we see that that's God's goal. God's goal is to unite all the denominations together under one banner, Jesus Christ. And we've all got differences, and some of us uh, have uh, wacko ideas, and some of us have uh, ideas that come out of Greek philosophy. But it's Jesus' desire to make us one tribe with one plan of salvation, one doctrine, and to uh, allow the Holy Spirit to teach all of us. So David rises and uh, he too begins to fall. And the common thread between Samuel, between Saul, between David, is that they did not have anybody to speak in their life. They were not, in, they were not accountable. And they developed an infallibility and in the cult of personality. When you don't have anybody to challenge you, 
like Jerry Jones of the Dallas Cowboys, you will fall. Every person, no matter how high and mighty we think we are, no one is infallible. There are no popes in Christianity. We all need accountability. We all need to have somebody speak into our lives and challenge us when we're going off the rails. And eventually all of us do if our power is unchecked. Machiavelli said, absolute power corrupts absolutely. But what brings David to our attention is that when he was confronted of his sin of adultery and murder by Nathan the prophet, he repented and repented publicly. He confessed his sin. He endured the consequences of sin. And when we're not accountable, there will be consequences no different than what David suffered. In this case, David wrote Psalm 139, confessing his culpability, that he had flesh, that he was liable to sin, and we all need somebody to speak into our life. When leadership makes bad decisions, we should ask ourselves the question, what would Jesus do? Or better yet, what would happen if people exposed our decision in the newspapers? Would we be proud of it or would we hide? That's a key question. Okay, so now we're going to move on. The next leader that we see that fell into infallibility began in a good way, King Solomon. He built the temple, he brought stability to the kingdom, and he had a wisdom in all kinds of sciences, including making money. Solomon knew how to make money, and the gold and silver that flowed into Jerusalem was like concrete stone. It was like something that would be worthless, but yet it came in abundance because of Solomon's genius. However, like people before him, where you rule an absolute monarchy, he did not have any accountability. He began to marry foreign wives who brought foreign idolatry into the land of Israel, and he eventually fell. Recall, Jacob built an altar, but it would appear that Solomon neglected the altar. But for a time, he represented good leadership. And so we see a pattern that follows all the time. God warned them if they wanted a king, that eventually every king, every absolute monarch, falls into some form of oppression where he oppresses others uh, to prop up himself. And uh, all of us, all of us, every human being has flesh. And the question is, is that when people begin to worship us, praise us and tell us what a great sermon we had, how smart we are, how wonderful we are, will we fast to keep pride at bay? Because pride is always the consequence of infallibility. As a leader, do we say that it's my church or does the church belong to Jesus Christ? That's a key question. Solomon built the temple of God. The manifest presence of God appeared, and that's what all of us should be doing, is building the kingdom of Jesus Christ, not our personal kingdom. Do we drive a Mercedes-Benz and a Lexus to church, or are we somewhere in the middle? We know that we have people that can barely afford to ride a bicycle to church, and others can afford a Rolls Royce. So where should the leader be? in my opinion, somewhere in the middle, because ostentation is a bigger disease than outward adornment.
Finally, in today's podcast, I want to talk about King Josiah. Josiah, of course, was a descendant of King David, and eventually he restored Israel by restoring the law. A copy of the law was found in the temple, and a priest schooled Josiah in what the law had to say, and he brought reforms. He restored Israel to a proper relationship with God, but he couldn't handle his sons. His sons who eventually succeeded him were evil. And the issue is this, is that each person, no matter who they are, no matter who your parents were, is responsible to walk before God. And you cannot force somebody to serve Jesus Christ, including your children. So Josiah, he did a good job. There's nothing negative in scripture like Joshua found about Josiah. He did put the sodomites out of the land. And for those of you who consider that the homosexual lifestyle is just another lifestyle in the church, you need to look at the leadership of King Josiah. That's where I'm going to stop today. I could talk about a few others, and I will in the next podcast as good leadership, but then we'll get into bad leadership and what the uh, problems with it are, and then ugly leadership. And this is what I want to say. If you have been offended or oppressed by leadership. You need to listen to these podcasts because God wants you back in the church. He doesn't want you out there on your own having church alone in your house by yourself with no accountability because you're just as subject to flesh as any leader is. And so we need to live a peaceful and quiet life. We need to be able to coexist with people that do not have any common sense. And if you're one of those people that has been offended by clergy or by leadership, I would encourage you to make a fresh start and to forgive them and to reconcile. And this podcast series will describe the reconciliation process and how to come through that and why it is so valuable. Listen, he that loveth not does not know God. And reconciliation is part of love. And the biggest part of love is tolerance. We need to be able to tolerate bad Christians But we need to love each other. There are a lot of good leaders out there. There are very few bad ones. Unfortunately, there are some ugly ones. And we're going to talk about those leadership styles in the next podcast. Thanks for listening to LastChanceArc.com, a seven-message podcast series to help you establish your relationship with Jesus Christ.